Life's a Mitch. G'day, guys. Welcome back to episode 53 of Life's a Mitch podcast. So last week, I spoke to Mike Stevenson, fellow content creator, Canberra Raider fan, and all-around good guy. Met him through that This Week in League podcast, so go back and check out his stuff. Uh, all of his details are in last week's bio. This week, speaking to one of my oldest friends, really, he and I go way back, whoa, the majority of 20 years, just about. Um, we met in school through Brooksy back in episode two, and they used to serve at, at Hungry Jacks together, and uh, there's a lot of history with our friendship. Uh, he's a previous serving veteran for our country. He is a muso. He's a cartoon animator as well, an all-around champion guy. I'd like to introduce my friend, Bon Hayes. How you going, mate? G'day. Uh, thanks for having me. No problem. So, you know, you and I haven't caught up in a minute. I'm sorry about that. I've been a bit of a shit friend of late. Um, just want to, first things first, mate, how's things going? Uh, how's the lockdown life and what have you been up to? I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd rather be out there. You'd, you know, I'd rather have the gym open or something. But uh, really for, for me, uh, what it's about is um, I'm looking to become a veteran advocate. Okay, okay. So that's someone who helps organise compensation claims for veterans. Okay, cool. uh, for the Department of Veteran Affairs. I'm looking at that as, as, a, as a second job, um, but I can't really get to that because of the lockdowns. So um, I'm, I'm quite anxious to start it and, and get into it and learn the ins and outs of it. Yep. Um, at the moment, it's just my other job, powder coat, and that's only two or three days a week. So, you know, I like to be busy. You know me, I like to be busy, and uh, I'd rather be doing both. But the lockdowns, uh, you know, with the gyms closed, and the good side of it is you save money because you cook at home a lot. <laughs> You know, yeah. so, so that's good. Yeah. I, I've gotten pretty good at the old, uh, I've, I bought a meat smoker a few weeks ago and um, been mastering the art of different colored, like using different timbers and stuff to try and smoke brisket and stuff in different ways. The only thing that's not been friendly to me are my belts because I'm getting fat as fuck and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate, mate, because I'm losing weight. That's good. I'm losing weight because I'm not drinking um, I'm, and I'm eating everything I eat, I cook at home. So, yeah, you know, um, which I do like. I do, I do like that. Yeah. yeah, nice. So a lot of my listeners know I did an episode about Crohn's and uh, one, one way that you and I have bonded was our, you know, we both have terrible guts. <laughs> and uh yeah. it's not fun <laughs> so to anyone out there please look after yourselves and uh you know and everything all sorts of like tips and tricks but make sure the hardest thing is make sure it works for you now i wanted to get you on here today because you have an interesting story so as we as previous previously mentioned you served in the australian military for six years yes yeah yeah and as a result you've finished your time there and You've opened up to me a few times about some of the some of the actual darker points of serving. Um, so just wanted to delve into that realm if we could. So you've you've told me that you suffer from a form of post traumatic stress disorder. Is that correct or PTSD? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just first question was when did you know or in what ways did you start to develop this was happening and what are some of the I guess stigma around the whole PTSD thing, like we, we can uncover a few truths today, but for you, when did you first notice that it was starting to affect you in a negative way? For me, it's how I, first of all, angry outbursts, right? It was angry outbursts because uh, part of it is, is wrapped up in an existential crisis where you're frustrated yourself with yourself that you're not, you're not in the, in the service anymore. That, that's, that's part. You feel like you failed. Okay. That's a big one. That's, that's, that's a very big one. It was massive for me. 
I felt like I'd failed, you know, but I simply couldn't, couldn't serve on anymore because obviously because of, as you mentioned, the gut disorder, the post-traumatic stress is an injured spine, you know, spinal injury um, and a couple of other things. Yeah. You know, um, the second biggest sign is, is, is substance abuse, mate. Okay. Um, so I, I've been guilty of it. I've abused the booze, um, sometimes drugs, um, and smoked a lot of cigarettes. Just coping with uh, with this this period of existentialism post discharge, yeah. two thousand fifteen onward. Um, Is that why you were discharged because of the medical reasons? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And and, and um, unfortunately, there was no assistance at first. Um, there there was resistance from the Department of Veteran Affairs, and I, I couldn't get the, the help I needed. Um, because of a dodgy doctor report and a couple of other things. But okay. um, so it took a couple of years, you know, and I gave up a lot of times, but, and I tried to work many jobs, many jobs of which that wouldn't work out simply because your post-traumatic stress symptoms wouldn't allow you to work for someone who would micromanage you or bully you or uh, give you a sense of dread of going to work. You know what I mean? So a number of jobs didn't work out working as a security guard, working as a DJ, uh, Uber driver, even. Or even yeah. a trainer and assessor's position, which I think you yourself have done. I, have, you know, yeah. I attempted so many jobs and, and also attempted to get assistance from Veteran Affairs a few times and it, it, none of it worked. You know, um, things kept going wrong, which ultimately was like a, a vicious cycle that would exacerbate the, the post-traumatic stress symptoms and the desire to abuse substances. You go to a bar and get drunk so, or something like that. Yeah, fair enough. So just for... For, for sake, just for some awareness. So post-traumatic stress disorder, what are some other, what are some of the big symptoms of it apart from things you mentioned like substance abuse, like anxiety, uh, what is, what are some else, something else, like some other things that, that sort of might bring it on or you can see in other people. Symptoms? Uh, yeah. Impatience for one. I mean, going something as simple as going down the shop and there people, civilians don't move like soldiers. And it's and it is frustrating. It is frustrating. As in, like they're slower generally, just on their own. Yeah, sort of- yeah, yeah. Or and more disorganized. You know, no insult to to any civilian listening. It's just it's just a different world. It's not yeah, bad. Okay. It's just a different world. You know, um, uh, and the sense that, um, this, uh, yeah. Sorry, pardon me. Um, <clears throat> impatience is definitely one. Angry outbursts is another. I mean, I I have panic disorder too, so anxiety attacks are a big one. Um nightmares and insomnia i can't stress that enough um that that's that's a that's a pretty big one itself okay. um you can wake up kicking and screaming and things like that um and medications don't really help i mean they sort of do it's hard to explain but um generally in the long term tend to make it worse adrenal fatigue is another one i mean um constantly feeling exhausted constantly feeling exhausted and and the repetitive thoughts of traumatic incidents that happened. Replay it. So your time, yeah, your time in defence. Uh, you were exposed to a series of, as you spoke about, you don't want to go to work, no micromanaging. So I'm assuming that with your time in defence, you had to deal with overzealous um, superiors. In um, military life, is quite scheduled. You know, at, at zero six hundred, you must make your bed, do whatever. Um, are these yeah. like that? They actually happen. Like you, you are quite scheduled 
and you your schedule is generally laid out on a day to day basis, sort of thing. Is that right? Yeah, it's all structure and routine, which is something you you you, you it's kind of like Stockholm syndrome. You you love it, but you also hate it. Yeah, that's part yeah. of the problem. We that's the way we feel. Uh, some a lot of us. Sorry, I don't speak in behalf of everyone, but a lot of us feel um, that we we love the military in the army, but we also hate it in some ways too. You know, because it was a lifestyle and there was camaraderie and there was um, there was there was luxury and there was um, dissatisfaction as well. You know, it's 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 just it's like it had the best of both worlds and uh, and the heart and then getting out is, is a heart is difficult because you don't really have those high and lows anymore. It just kind of goes to nothing or, or what what you would call or or a civilian would call normality. And it's like we're dopamine addicts because of all the maneuvering we did and, and, and the cool things we did and probably some of the bad things we'll put through. And then we come out and it's nothing. And it's like, well, well how do I deal with this? You know what I mean? You, you, yeah. you just sort of are. Well, it's, we'll talk about, <laughs> talk about some of the bad things shortly if you want to. But I was um, read a, a study recently. So this rugby league podcast I listened to, it similar for rugby league players or professional athletes that retire and then transition back into society going, fuck, how do I deal with this? I wasn't prepared for it. And what the study That's showed. Right. Yeah. So, so it was similar for that. You're like, so preparedness is like, well, shit, now I've got, you know, my freedom back, but at what cost, you know, how do I incorporate myself back into society? You know, how do I get myself started again? Is that how it was for you after you first came back? Extremely difficult, and I have met athletes who have gone through a similar sort of period of existentialism, yeah, or or um, you know, fallen to pieces just because that was their that was their identity, it was their uniform, their identity, it was everything to them, and then they come out and that's just like nothing. So, so how in your journey to come back to so what you've been at now six years, you said you finished twenty fifteen. That's right, yeah, and um, you know, in this time you know, in this time of loose term healing, what have you found as some of the practices that you've needed to get yourself back to a, you know, a good psyche? Like how, do, how have you helped like get yourself back to a, a decent mindset? How are you coping, you know, with the PTSD and, you know, all the things that you've, um, what are some of the practices that you've had to take on? Honestly, mate, um, where do I even start? Jeez. We've got time. Okay. I can't stress, I can't stress it in an AA AA, yeah. I can't stress it enough. I mean, I don't go to AA anymore, but because uh, I've I found that I don't need it. You know, I've substituted with other things I enjoy that are healthy and recreational. But AA is important. You know, if, if someone is straight or, or NA, if it's substances, you know, that's if, if there's a, it's okay to have trauma and a problem there. It's okay, but it's how you deal with it that's important. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, look. Uh, I did a lot of meditation there for a while and I did a lot of yoga to help my back pain and strengthen my muscles so that that would hurt less. Yep. I think particularly diet's very important because I could eat something as simple as McDonald's and I'll just feel de- completely depressed uh, for four hours after I've eaten it versus eating you know, something more fresh um, and I feel somewhat level of normality. Yeah. I just can't, I can't stress how important diet is. I mean, everyone's got different different dietary requirements. I mean, according to their blood type and other things, really, they should be, go and see a dietitian or a doctor about that. But for me personally, obviously, what with the gut condition and other things, the best diet for me is, is meat, fruit, nuts, and vegetables. Keeping it basic. 
yeah, you know, what, what our ancestors would eat. Um, kind of like a, oh, what do they call that? Starts with a P, certain type paleo. of Paleo. That's it. Do you do the paleo, paleo diet? Is that, is also, that yeah, or, yeah, yeah, paleo or Atkins diet. They're both just a similar thing. Yeah. Um, some people like keto. I, I, I don't go for that because I had a fatty liver. It's not really for me, but it's for some people. But I can't stress enough. Yeah, nutrition's really important. Yeah. And it's, I mean, look, with the stresses of modern work life and everything else, it's really hard to get that locked down. So and, it's trial and error. Yeah, it was trial and error for me, mate. I mean, look, I had to get an FMT. You know what that is, don't you? No, no. What's an FMT? No, yeah, it's, it's a fecal matter transplant. Okay. So a shit no. transplant. I had to get that to... Uh, to uh, Actually, no, you did tell me that. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah for, yeah. for for those of you who aren't affected by uh, bowel disorders or gastrointestinal issues, is that that right there is not an uncommon practice. Uh, I know yeah. people yeah. in my circle of friends who have gut disorders like we do, and two thirds of them have probably had a fecal matter. I just forgot that you had suffered from that. Sorry, man. I apologize. No, no, no. It's it's fine. It's um. I mean, I had to get that, and then I had to go on enzymes. I mean, but leading up to that, it was, it was, I had been through so many bloody doctors. Yeah. I've been, you know, more than I can count on two hands. I'd been through naturopaths. I'd taken supplements. I'd taken slippery elm. Um, God, um, L-glutamine. I, I took, I, I tried absolutely everything in the book, but the real, the real balance I found in fixing, uh, fixing that was, was a combination of nutrition, the FMT, and then, taking some enzymes and that's what really stabilized it for me. It's good to hear, man. Um, I was on antidepressants for four years to deal with a major depressive disorder. Um, but there's a new, new um, treatment called, well, it's not really new, but it's, it's becoming more mainstream transcranial magnetic stimulation, which is magnets on the brain by a coil on the brain. Um, and that, that seems to, without any of the side effects of the tablets seems to stabilize the depression pretty well. Is that kind of like cognitive recalibration therapy? Like instead of shocking you, they use the the magnets and they try to like, is it, do they try and change the way the brain's waves affect you or, or is it designed to sort of like um, help the chemicals in your brain be balanced more? How does that sort of work? Honestly, mate, uh, you'd have to ask my psychiatrist. (laughs) (laughs) You would. Um, What I can say is it's really uh, made a huge turnaround for me. Yep. And it was working. It's worked much better than antidepressants. May not work for others, but uh, you know, it hasn't always worked in every case. But I found it more effective than what antidepressants ever were. There were lots of side effects from antidepressants I didn't like. One of them was weight gain, obviously, um, and I found it made me very lazy compared to compared to the TMS. Fair anyway. And just for the listener out there, like this is this story is. Bond story and my story about Crohn's is my story. Like, don't take what we say as medical advice. These are just our own personal experiences. So, just want to put that disclaimer out there as well. Um, and thanks for like saying, you know, this is my story. Like, because as you said, you know, person B might suffer differently, and person C and so on. So, you know, this is just what happens for us. So, I appreciate you being honest in that regard. And a lot of the time, man, everyone's journey is individual, right? It, it took me six years after the army, after the parasite court overseas. Um, and, you know, obviously the mental health stuff and the back. It took me six years to feel 80% normal again. 
And that's you know, I'm still not there. I'm still not there. You know, it's it, it's took me six years and how many bloody doctors I've been through, how many medications I've been, the money I've thrown at it, trying to fix it and stabilize it has been astronomical. It's been ridiculous. You know, it's it's ever and ever and other people are gonna have their version of that. It's it's very different, each individual person. Everyone's battle's very different. Yeah. So yeah, and you know, and I actually have to commend you on the strength you've displayed over the years. You're still fighting the fight and you managed to, you know, you're still a good bloke. And at the end of the day, a lot of people might let something like this stop them, but you've battled your fight in different ways. So you're to me commended, you know, for Thanks. Yeah, yeah. fighting yeah. man instead of a lot of people, you know, would just stick to the bottle or whatever and that's it. But you've continually tried to find ways to improve yourself. So I think there needs to be some recognition given that way, man, sincerely. Like I, uh, I look at people like you for strength, to be honest. Thank you. Thank you. Now, the worst thing I think I did was attempt a degree straight after getting out of the military. I think that was a, a look, I finished it, right? But I, I tried to dive into something else too quickly. To stay distracted as opposed to dealing with it? Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Whereas really what a person needs, admittedly, I wasn't getting help at that point. So, you know, I was kind of keeping my head afloat. Um, diving into, yeah, yeah. Um, after after service time, you need some decompression time. You need some time to sort of uh, come back down to earth, mate. Yeah. Um, I wish I took that time, but I didn't. I didn't. I was parents. At one, at one point, I got out, and then I did TAFE for a year, and then uni afterwards. Um, I was doing like three certificate, three a diploma and two cert fours at once. It was ridiculous, and my dad was like, you know, bonds, slow down, stop it, you'd you're going too hard. You know, you're, you're trying to run from your problems by overachieving. And I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. I was just, um, I was just taking on too much. Um, also living in other cities. I mean, what uh, I lived in central coast, Sydney, Melbourne, living in foreign cities um, after serving, really, I should have been at home decompressing with my family, but I wasn't, I was out trying to, uh, trying to overachieve per se. And do you think and- is that because of the, is that a byproduct of the busy militaristic lifestyle that you would have had? Um, on the I go? think it's a mix of that. Yeah. I think it's a mix of that. And obviously I, well, I think, or I've been told rather, I have a quite a resilient personality where I'm, you know, I'm very motivated, very get up and go. Um, yeah. I think it's a combination of the two and um, ha- having a combination of those two things at that point in time is probably not good. <laughs> You know, well, but, to, yeah. to have a distracted mind um, can be a good thing. It's like, I guess it sounds similar. I had a conversation recently with a female friend and she, uh, she for a long time there, she went from relationship to relationship to rela- oh, just one to the next and the next and the next and never took the time to sort of decompress and deal with things. And she had a really bad breakup circa 16 or 17 and she just let out it like at a massive emotional burst. Turns out there was years of trauma that she'd never dealt with. Yeah, and yeah. She's, she's been single now for four years and she reckons that, you know, these have been the greatest four years of her adult life because she's able to, like, as you said, it's important to, to, or to deal with issues or to try and battle them as opposed to acting as a distraction. And then from there you get a chance to, to grow and heal. And, you know, cause you know, a lot of a lot of episodes I've done have been in relation to mental health, and like at the end of the day, you are the one who takes your issues 
to bed. You were the one, the individual, to take their ideas to the grave. So, you know, if you're going to go through life, you're the only person you're 24 hours a day with. If you're going to go through life and want to build relationships and form it with other people, no one can be happy in you with you unless you are happy in yourself to your core. You know, people might want to help you. Yeah. That's fantastic. And those are the kind of people that you want to surround yourself with. But at the end of the day, you know, it, you, you I, I don't know about anyone else, but I would like to believe that if I'm going to be around me 24 hours a day, I want to be the happiest I can be, you know. Mm. And to those toxic people who um, in my life, and I know there's been some in yours as well, who, you know, just because you're taking a different path to the rest of them, you critiqued and you criticised. Like, well, fuck, like, I'm trying to better myself by building up my you know, credentials or taking on a creative project that I love. And you want to sit here and give me shit for that? Yeah, I'm done, buddy. Mate, I You're done, yeah. mate. Like, f that. Yeah. No one needs yeah. that, man. Um, I had people who stepped in and intervened, and they gave me their piece on um, why leaving the military was a failure, and and uh, you know, the going on and going on an army pension made me a dull bludger. And and uh, you know, I won't say which family members, but there were family members that said and both both directly said and implied that. And that's more detrimental and patronizing to your health than what, and just because they're loved ones doesn't give them the right to further enhance the negative state that you're in. So to those no, people, no. I know that people have good intentions, but if you're going to go out of your way and force your opinion upon someone, just read the room. And if it's not wanted, then just, just chill. Just ask the person if there's anything they need. If they say they're good, give them their space. It's the most important yeah. thing, I think. Yeah. And you, yeah. And like, so just going back before talking about like, um, like diets and stuff and some foods make you think like make your guts act shitty. Do you think that the, the genesis of the saying guilty pleasure comes from someone with a gut disease? Because it must, Hey, like these are a guilty pleasure. They taste so good, but I have to spend an hour on the toilet or whatever. I reckon someone with a gut disease. Would it might have originated from that. <laughs> You know, it might have originated from that. It's appropriate, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I, I, these are the deep thoughts I have. Um, I didn't tell you recently. Um, I've been going to a psychologist, and I've been diagnosed with adult ADHD, and a lot of things make sense. Mate, I'm Asperger's. Oh, there you go. Well, you know, I didn't get diagnosed till after the military. Isn't that? Isn't that like? I wouldn't have got in the military if I knew about it beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's you know and you after you get a diagnosis you become yeah. familiar with the symptoms go fuck that makes so much sense and it's yeah, kind it of like this it's kind of like this crystallizing moment okay now i know what i'm up against like my short-term memory is short to shit i'm all doing eight different things at once i've got yeah. 12 browsers open here just behind you uh, on the screen and it's just like this overactive brain and it does have its bonuses like a quick wit and doing interviews off the cuff but, you know, at the end of the day, it's important to look after yourself is what I take from all this. So now, you know, so in your time, military, you finished up, you're on the mend, battling different things. And, you know, so tell me, fast, we fast forward. So, and all, actually, I'll, I'll go back a sec. I was also told that those with a creative mind without an outlet is equivalent to being in a nut house. So... You know, if you are a creative like I know you are without a, a proper outlet, then that doesn't help the, the anxious anxiety levels either. So yeah. talk to me, MC Bonfire. He's a rapper, he's a music producer, content creator. Tell us about the genesis of 
your music career and tell us about, you know, how did you get started in the, in the music scene? Like where did that all start off and where was your love? And yeah, tell us a little oh. about that creative side for you. Okay, man. All right. I No, I grew up listening to Skids Mix, right? I was, uh, yeah, I, I, I love Skids Mix. I grew Absolutely. up on it, you know, in ministry too, a little bit of that. Okay. So, and then I was, I was DJing in the army because um, finally I could afford the bloody equipment. But I was DJing in the army. I was doing odds and ends type gigs. And then uh, when I got out, uh, that led to me uh, studying music at TAFE. Now, <laughs> it wasn't until Melbourne that I started recording rap. I never, ever thought I would make Aussie hip hop. Never in, in the world thought, would have thought I'd make Aussie hip hop. But I actually made a bit of a genre change in 2018 when... Eminem was beefing with Machine Gun Kelly, oh, okay. and there was this big uh, <laughs> the rap. I remember that the, the Twitter yeah. feuds and the little yeah, passive comments. Yeah. Oh, geez, that takes me back. Yeah. yeah, it was that that made me genre switch because dance music was drying up. You know, without insult to to any of the produ- really good producers out there that, that were ma- are making it. Is you remember 2014? Everyone wanted to be a DJ. Well, yeah, and like 20- even when we were sort of like becoming adults you know the pot bellies the presets uh, flume wasn't long after like yeah um, you yeah. know these big electronic oh, yeah. and that yeah. was what we that was our like in our 20s that was our party scene like we're now in our yeah. early 30s but like it just i don't know whether it's anything but it seems to have dwindled a little bit it had, it's died off a lot it's died off a lot i remember 2014 everyone wanted to be a dj by the time 2018 come around everyone wanted to be a rapper and there was this thing there was this uh thing soundcloud rappers were a thing you know and then it was YouTube rappers. Everyone made a video clip for their raps. And I did. I started doing it. I started doing it in Melbourne. Um, I was doing it as a, there was a bit of a rough patch with a girl there. And I started, I was doing it with, a, um, as an outlet for that. I was doing it as an outlet for that. I just, I, I had to, felt like I was competing with this person as well. Like uh, putting out, putting out musical content as well. But that actually, uh, that was like a forced growth type thing, you know? It forced growth on me as a person and, 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 and to become an artist other than just a DJ, you know, I'd become a rapper and I released uh, a video clip called Apocalypse Later, which is uh, literally about uh, a song about a totalitarian government. And, and if, if you want to get real um, conspiracy about it, a little bit of what it looks like happening now in this dystopian post-COVID world we're living in, you know. Well, I mean, credible, a credible argument. If in my yeah. opinion, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we don't know the extent of it, to, to be honest, but, uh, you know, I question it every day. A lot of people do, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, look, Melbourne was a bit of a crash and burn, and so was Sydney. Again, I struggled to assimilate. My drinking got in the way a lot. Um, doing the assessments at university was no, no hassle, no hassle at all, you know. Um, fitting in was. Fitting in was that, that was the hardest bit. I remember Youngborn before you went, um, you know, we'd have many beers, you know, 18, 19 year old, or you know, we um we had many shenanigans. We had it, there was a group of about five or six of us, and you know, you were from you know, what I remember about you was just like everyone was your friend, nothing yeah, was an issue, yeah, yeah, yeah. laid back, chilled out guy, doesn't mind hanging with the lads and just having a good time. Good to talk to. Most environments always found that I'd fit in and um, I was comfortable around people, you know. Um, I made a lot of friends at TAFE. TAFE was quite, quite fun. Uh, uni was a bit of a different experience. I won't get into the too nitty gritty of it, but uh, just a very different culture. 
structure, you know, and it's not uncommon. I did a, I did a, a, a short thesis on um, veterans struggling to assimilate um, and fit in on university camp on uni- correction university campuses. So I did I did a bit of a short thesis on that for one of my um, for one of my subjects, and um, it's not uncommon for uh, retired servicemen to go through that type of experience when they're on campus. You know, because it's already like the people that are there are learning new experiences and new things about life. Whereas you've already learned that you learned the the military version of it. You know what I mean? So it's 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 really hard to assimilate and sort of um know where you belong Does it, in, do, in that type of environment. Do you think it sort of becomes a us versus them mentality? Sort of like with your experiences, you're like, well, these civvies got no idea. You know, that's what they call civilians, right? Civvies, and like mm-hmm. you look at the stuff that you might've been exposed to in your own experiences and going like, they've got no idea. Did it give you a sort of like a, a negative mindset to look at things like a pessimistic approach? Do you think? Not for me. Okay. Not for me. Um, I would never look down on them. Um, I don't, I don't think they certainly don't think they're less than that than I am uh, or anything. And I never did any, anything like that. Um, but when you're around younger people and you've learned different things to what they have, it can be very hard to sort of get your point across or, or fit in without hurting anyone's feelings per se. Yeah. Okay. You want to be PC about the whole thing. There's a degree of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. There's a degree of that, you know, and you know, I'm, I've got my own opinions on certain things. I'm very libertarian. I certainly don't agree with right or left. You know I what just, I mean? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't talk politics. I'm not educated enough to, to form a opinion on politics. I just, yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. that, it's a mm-hmm. different story another time mm, mm. Um, so what but, happened what happened next well event, i ended up finishing the correction i'll start from i ended up leaving melbourne uh, quite pretty stressed um and i didn't have much of the degree left to do but i um i came home and gone blank sorry man you're gonna have to cut that out yeah that's fine so then so you come home <laughs> i remember you you returned home and uh we got together for a beers night not long after i believe there was the four culprits of us, you, me, Brooksy, and our mate, Mr. M. And, um, you know, we, we, we caught yeah. up and, like, Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brooksy's parents' place, and we had a good time. And, um, you know, and then slowly you come back. What happened then? After that, um, I bought a house. Uh, correction, I bought an apartment. I you bought did? an apartment. Congratulations. And- That's amazing. Thanks. And not long after that, I... Um, I did graduate, but I didn't attend the ceremony. Um, I, I didn't go down and attend the ceremony. I just graduated. And uh, the, since then, I've just been working part-time in my powder coating job, um, just trying to um, save money and you know, just keep, keep as healthy as possible, mate. You know, And somewhere along the line, I was experimenting with stop animation on Microsoft Paint and came up with a couple of cartoons, you know, just uh, self-designed stuff. Using my own voice to record it and everything. I have to check those out. So, like, one of the greatest yeah. uh, MS Paint animations I've ever seen was the Big Les Show. Absolutely. I got a lot of inspiration from the Big Les Show. Absolutely fantastic. What are you talking about? <laughs> Absolutely yeah, yeah. fantastic. Big Les and Michael Cusack. Do uh, you know who Michael Cusack is? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, got big inspiration from both of them. So, to, to, to do, I've only done a couple of little, like, five minute ones, but, um, it's it, again it was a, it was another superpower gained it was another skill i didn't know i had 
Yeah. I never saw, I never in, in the world uh, as, as a 14 year old thought I'd grow up to be making rap music and uh, um, uh, making cartoons as well. <clears throat> um, to be honest, I probably didn't see it, even see it at 24. I mean, at 24, I wanted to be like Timmy Trumpet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Clubs all over yeah. the world, just absolute yeah, yeah. legions of fans, etc. Yeah. But I was winding down and getting over clubs by 26. You know, I was never, I was never really into clubs. I was more sit at the, at the pub, converse with your mates, and have a few skewies. Yeah, that old Hotel. That's <laughs> oh, that's that's our old storm. That's the first beer ever uh, pub ever bought a beer in. Um, mm. I was mm. 16. Can I have a skewie or anything? Like, mm. I don't know. <laughs> or actually, yeah. that didn't happen. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so I'm curious. Geez, you must have some patience making the cartoons. I'd imagine it's a slow process. It's a slow process, and that's kind of why I'm taking a bit of a break from doing anything else at the moment. I have, I have the next one recorded, but um, and they're not all meant to be funny. Some just have a, a simple message, simple yeah, message yeah. in them. Um, but but most of them are comedy, to be honest. Um, same as my music, you know. It is some of it is is a bit um crass, you know. Uh, I do have a very dry sense of humour. Um, this I know. This is why I love you. <laughs> I, 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 I cover a lot of topics um, in my music too. I cover, thing, you know, just uh, my experiences uh, coming out of the military. A lot of political stuff. Um, um, modern modern problems with with males. You know, the chauvinism and stuff like this. Have. Say again. Chauvinism and stuff like this. Feminism? No, chauvinism like chauvinistic Chauv- males. Yeah, 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 yeah. Toxic masculinity. To- toxic masculinity, I should have worded it. No, I actually have a song called that. So, yeah, <laughs> that's that's one of the topics I covered, yeah. so. And uh, it's, you would like an episode I did back in episode uh, 19. I spoke with a man by the name of Jack Kammer. Now, Jack, that's his real name, Jack Keck. He, um, he is a guy fighting for the rights of male welfare. So he's encouraging young men and boys men of all ages to to have the strength to speak up and he's like he's lobbying the american government to give the resources available to help you know with men's male health uh, mental health sorry and well interesting this guy. Is some, oh, sorry mate um yeah, right, this I'll, is something I'll, you go sorry <laughs> sorry right. um this is something I'm, I'm very passionate about um with uh single motherhood on the rise and uh absent fatherhood it's um a lot of men out there, including I was one of them. Uh, grow, they grow up without learning the traits of what an actual man is. You know man, what I mean? Not- so their whole their whole uh, adolescent life, teenage years, and twenty it's it's a giant social experiment. You know what I mean? They're subject to making so many bloody mistakes um, and, and following mis- misguidances and and cliches of what uh, being being a real man is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can. But- I, I absolutely um, have a I have a comment here before it loses I lose it in my head. So the idea about you know how a man is raised, you know, like, I, I, like obviously it's hard for women as well with their um, challenges and issues, of course. But I can only mm. speak on behalf of males because I'm a man. But you know, men are impressionable, and the whole thing of like, especially growing up in Australia, Western like a Western country, is you're raised to she'll be right. So the man is supposed to be this bulletproof you know, a guy who will never have any mental issues because emotionally mm. he has to be stable. And the, the amount of people I've like, you got a local guy named Alan Stevens who runs uh, like 
a group where it's safe to talk, you know, nothing is an issue. Everyone gets along. It's a safe space and men, women, trans people alike. People like Jack Kemmer, who are advocates and absolutely are doing their best to fight for men to speak up and talk to us about what they need. And I want to talk about what you're doing in a second, but while I just wanted to say like to anyone out there, like I can't stress it enough, male, female, trans, uh, if you're a member of the LGBT community, religious, whoever you are, if you have an issue or if something is weighing you down, please find someone to talk to about it. Bottling it up, especially young blokes out there, bottling it up and being bulletproof, it gets you nowhere. And I guarantee you that once that first contact is made to talk to a loved one or a professional, whoever, you'll be better off for it. Sorry, but I'll cut you off. But that's something that, that's really important to me. Yeah, I understand that, mate. And um, I think it's it's I think it's also important to find the right port of call to get that assistance, like the correct mentor. Oh, yeah. A credible the, mentor. The right, the right person, the right yeah. person. I mean, um, some people out there, you know, myself included, uh, you, you'll approach a family member for, for um, um, some nurturing or some comforting uh, in that regard and you get the old, oh, why don't you just harden the F up or, or um, I take it like a man type speech. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't go to those people. We spoke before about patronising, hurting you know, family members who, who who are more offensive than anything, you know, more of a problem as yeah, opposed to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause that's just, it's about also about finding the right support system as well. Yeah. For me, um, I had a great psychologist in Melbourne who probably only got through it because of her, um, but also have a great psychiatrist up here too. Um, my father's also an auntie, both um, two big support figures for me. So, and my brother, he's great. That's good, as well, yeah, um, there are other members of my family that aren't aren't very good support, and you know, I don't. I, I think it's. Um, I wouldn't advise people if they if they're trying to get support from someone who's unsupportive. I wouldn't advise them to do it. I'd advise them to go to someone else who who's a better listener and and comforter. Yeah. So, what to those who might hear this message to other uh, ex service men and women to other people who are suffering uh, from trauma or whatever it might be, what other advice would you give them like to help transition into becoming a better version of themselves? Right. Put it on paper. Get a pen, a a typewriter, a a keyboard, doesn't matter. And just write the bloody story, write the story, write songs about the story, write a novel. You know, you know me, I wrote, I wrote a a book myself, which is is, a voice narrated by myself on my YouTube channel. I'll, um, leave a, I'll leave a link to that as well. Certainly, mate, certainly. Um, just get a pen and write. That stuff's, it stuff's like, it's like sludge. It's like acid. It's stuck in your head. It needs to get out. Write and create. doesn't have to I be published, but you can just put it out there. Well, yeah, it doesn't have to be published straight away. That's right. Or, or if they don't ever want to publish it, but it's important. I think it's important to keep a diary. I think it's important to keep a calendar, uh, but also, you know, write your, your creative ideas down because I think a lot of the problem in societies with people's mental health is they are creatively suppressed. You know, they're, they're wrapped up in their busy jobs and, and nine to fives and fast food, fast lifestyles and everything that they don't get time to sit down and actually, oh, I think of a cool idea, you know, I want to put that down on paper. And, that, you know, the, the greats like Elon Musk and people like that, they put their ideas down on paper. They got their thoughts out of their head and got it down somewhere and, and, that's, you know what I mean? It's, 
why they do so well. But I just think that's important for mental health as well. Yeah. And and, and if you are suffering, just write, you know, just get it, get it out. Hayley Mary, one of my recent music, one of my guests who's a, a musician, uh, <coughs> she, she was in a band called the Jezebels and now she's doing a, like a solo career. And yeah. she said that to be sick, one of the ways to be successful in the music industry is that, you know, they used to have to allocate time to write sessions. It was like, you sit down, okay, brain activate. And she said that being that restrictive space was, you know, it, it was just that it was restrictive. And she finds that, you know, she now has a bit you know, more control over her songwriting process. So she's more, you know, free, free spirited in that regard. And she, um, she finds it works better for her, you know, got a little note or like a, like a voice memo on the fly or like a, cause if you have a, a, a dynamite thought and you don't put it down or a dream you or something, you later. yeah. And you chances are you won't later. again. I know I yeah. won't thoughts yeah. enter my head as quick as I exit. It's, it's as creators, we don't know what we do. We just do it. We get the idea and then we just do it. Yeah. Well, that was, um, that's how this podcast started. I was talking to a friend at work and it's just boom. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and um, that's a good example of it. Another one's all my songs aren't written in one go. No. Well, if they were, my you'd be some sort of go. like some sort of lyrical freak, which actually, really? you know what you are, you do spit fire. By the way, guys, music is fire. Absolute fire. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but it's not all written in one go. You know, they, the, the idea is just, and it doesn't come every day. You know what I mean? I'll think of it when I'm driving. I'll think of it when I'm in the shower or just weird times or when I'm at work or something. You know what I mean? And that's why like, I'll have my phone or a notepad or something and I'll, and I'll write it down then. I'll write it down because it comes in waves. Yeah. It comes in waves. It's, it, it's, it's not really a job. It's a lifestyle and it comes in waves. And then you just jot it down when it comes to your head. And you better, you better damn well write it down because if you don't, you won't remember it. This is true. And I, it, it, talking about like having that outlet. Okay. So I operate machines probably as a time, day and night. So my sleeping patterns are always out of way. Anyways, if I didn't do something like this, especially during the pandemic, last thing you want to do is drive an hour to work, do a 12 hour shift, hour home, and just sit on Netflix all day. As much as I love a good series, everyone knows that. But this, doing this is absolutely helping me a lot more than it was like. Mm-hmm. Before I started this, so yeah, if you got an idea, guys, there's no point taking the best ideas to the graveyard. I say, yeah, that's right, that's right. And oh, we well, are well, in a creative-driven economy. Yeah, and the days of industry and agri- agriculture are—they're they're starting to fade. Robots are replacing them. You know, everything's automated now. It's—we are entering a creative economy where yeah. people monetize their YouTube, their Spotify, and in some cases, OnlyFans. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, TikTok's it's another big one as well. Tick, yeah, TikTok's getting TikTok. out of control. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so I might change it up for for a second and just yeah, sure. let the brains reset. You know, take a shake off and go. Okay, now this is the part of the podcast, the second part. Okay, so it's two main parts: storytelling and this next part. I get the guests on to have a good whinge wine sook, and I was wondering, Vaughn, would you like to join me having a bitchy with Mitchy this week? Oh, uh, yeah, I'll join you in one arch. Okay, so the idea is to get off your chest what's ailing you. Um, you can go first or I can. I've always got something ready to go. Do you want me to go first? What do you think of something? I've already got something. Mate. All right, cool. Let's uh, let's hear good. it. All right. People who <laughs> obsess over sabotaging you more than making their own life better. Amen. Preach it. <laughs>
I mean, I'm talking about people who, if it meant if it meant getting fame and fortune, they'd murder their own mother. Uh, yes, yes, yes. There are a lot of know people. I mean? There are a lot of people like that. Uh, not just that. Not just that. Um, uh, pe- people who are people who are uh, uh, narcissists, for example, they are absolutely obsessed with your life and what you're doing, rather than focusing on their own life and making theirs better. Mm-hmm. They're constantly um, in your grill, saying you've got to fix this, you've got to fix that, you've got to uh, change these parts about your life, and it's like, dude, I think you need to worry about your life um, and let me focus on me. You know what I mean? If you have a few of those people in my life, I agree with 110%. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, they're constantly obsessed with fault correcting you. Um, And and they're always. Nine times out of 10, you know, it's obvious with them. Their life isn't going so well. They're very discontent with it. Um, So they're trying to uh, devalue you in the eyes of other people. Misery misery loves company. Like, and. Yeah. To gain their own. To gain their own um, one-upmanship. Yeah. And have you noticed yeah, those people as well that they're, they're never at fault? They're always the victim. Yes, yeah, and they, and they play victim. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, oh. They have no accountability. It's, it's, usually, it's usually narcissism. It's usually narcissism, but they're, they're obsessed with sabotaging you, and they're the victim. You know, you call them out and you say, hey, what you're doing is unacceptable. You know, I'd like to be left alone, yada, yada. Oh, yeah, but you did this. You did this. On the defensive yeah, when well, they don't have to be. It's like, that. bro, like, I'm good. Like, like, well, I don't talk about you and I don't care and I just want to get on my life, please. Leave me alone. Yeah, you know, and, and then they're still going, you, 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 you know, it's like, it's like, and you did this to me and I'm a victim, you know, and it's just like. There are some people in my in life. Yeah. Close yeah. people in my life, in fact, who, who are like that. And yeah. I've dealt with that since I, was a, since I was a kid. And, you know, one of the best ways I've found to combat that is just to like, you know, they're looking for an audience. They're looking for a reaction. You know what? Be the light. Don't play the game. That's what works uh, for me. Don't talk to them. Yeah. 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 That's, just, <laughs> that's how I deal with it. That's, that's how it, I you know, it. And um, it's like, well, you're this. Yeah. So what? I'm going back. Okay. To my happy- yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah I'm yeah. going back to my happy life. You enjoy those dark thoughts by yourself, champion. I'll be here when yeah, you're yeah, in the yeah. You have it. You can. It's easier to let them think that. And just and just crack on and get on with life. You know what I mean. Actually, um, like my current workplace has a few of them. So, oh, I got a new permanent job. Don't know if I told you. So, new mining gig, permanent with yep. a pit, not a contractor, and it's closer yep. to home and more money. And the amount of people that have been speculating rumors about me. How do you get a fucking start? How's he this? How's he that? And I heard him talking shit about me. And I walked in the crib. Art. I said, okay, this is how. I'm not like you. I'm not like you. I'm not like you. I don't, I'm strong enough to be an individual and do my own thing. I don't conform mm. to the standard that you guys have accepted and become a sheep. Mm. I'm going to do what feels good for me. Well, what do you, what do you mean? I said, I'm the one walking out there, going out to get a permanent job and you guys are all here still miserable and sad. That's fine. Yeah. 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 And I think, yeah, there is, that's a that's a good point you raised because there are a lot of people out there like that. And I'm sure if anyone listens to this, which I'm sure there'll be a few, okay, you know what? Yeah, person ABC is like was blaming me for shit. That wasn't my fault. And it's like you feel like whacking your head against the brick wall, but at the end of the day, they are the ones with the issue. And those who are always blaming others are the ones yeah, who take those yeah, thoughts home yeah. to bed at night. Yeah. And yeah, you know. There's gotta be not everything that goes wrong in someone's life is always their fault. It's not. <laughs> 
But there's got to be some accountability of how do I bounce back or, or maybe I could have dealt with that bit better, that type of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Account- accountability. It just seems like I'm, I've, I've come across a lot, of, a lot of people out there who just don't want to admit their wrongs and, and, and take some, look, man, I'm not perfect. I've made, I've made mistakes myself. You know, I'm, I am human. Um, but it I've seems made, I've like made plenty. Made heaps. There's a lot, of, a lot of people out there. They deny it off the bat. They deny, no, no, that's you. Your fault. You're, you're the, you're the perpetrator. You know, it's like straight away. Well, Actually, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back. Whoa, far out. Ten years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, we both know a guy ridiculously tall. Okay. So we're at a, I might have been 18th or a 19th birthday or something, and. He's lipping off at everyone. Said, mate, like, you know, you fucked up. No, no, she's fucking fault. He did this. I said, no, mate, like, you don't get it. You were the one who was like, whatever it was, damaged the car or whatever. I don't fucking, I can't remember. But like, this guy was that, he was ready to punch on with people instead of admitting he was wrong. It's like, you're going to risk a criminal record instead of owning your mistake. And you could have fixed it in five minutes, but this has been going on for an hour. And this is the way you want. You yeah, just make yourself yeah, look like a yeah. dunce, mate. All like, because, all because you didn't want to. Yeah. All because little old me was. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. 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 Because I'm. Yeah. Yeah. You, all you got to do is accountability and say you're sorry, um, and and you know not do it again or, or you know. But the the thing is, is I think admitting to doing something wrong makes people feel like a shit person sometimes, and that's a very hard pill to swallow. We don't want to seem vulnerable. No one does. No. No, and I think that's what part of the problem is. They can't handle that. They can't handle being modest and vulnerable. Mm. So, yeah. It's a good bitch, mate. It's a good bitch. So, yeah. fresh off the fresh off the uh, the press, that one. I, mine isn't as uh, in-depth as that one. So, my car is small. It's a manual. Same. <laughs> um, similar car to yours. Um, yeah. Yours is much nicer than mine. And, you know, going along and uh, not much room. So as I reached out to pull my, my seatbelt down, I've accidentally grabbed the hand strap, stalled the car, and then I spilled the coffee that was in my left hand. I was like, so my uh, bitch was, <laughs> look at me, we're just talking about blaming other things and people, and I was just about to blame my car for my stupid fault for not putting my seatbelt on correctly. <laughs> so my yeah. bitch was um, how seemingly small my car is but at the same time, I was at fault. So and yeah. that was my bitch was like spilled hot coffee on myself and it hurt. Not not so much the burn fact, but the fact that it was it was amazing tasting latte was just slipping down my leg. <laughs> it was bullshit. But um, yeah, that's yeah, my bitch of the right. week. I stupidly spilled my coffee still in my car. That is unfortunate. That is unfortunate to lose a good latte. Yeah. Uh, so before we wrap things up, I want to ask you. You said you were interested in helping uh, other veterans in some way. Can you? I'm tell looking us? at. Yeah, 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 tell yeah. I'm that. looking at. I'm looking at veteran advocacy uh, in the future. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, what I went through trying to get assistance was just. Oh god, I wouldn't wish that on me. Worst enemy, you know. And a lot of blokes have have gone, and women too. Women absolutely have gone through this. Um, through this rigmarole of deny, delay, die, you know, the bureaucracy, the red tape, and then trying to fight the mental health injury slash injury battle with it as well, you know, and uh, I can't stand to see it happen anymore. I just can't, you know, 
the Vietnam vets are uh, they're getting old. They can't keep advocating forever. So it's probably time that the the younger younger diggers that, that are now retired step up and do it too. And you know that's what uh, that's something I, I care about a lot. You know, so how far so, along are you with this project at the moment? Unfortunately, I'm not very far into it, mate, because of the because of the lockdowns. You know, I haven't been able to go there and do my training. But that, you know, it, it will commence as soon as as soon as the pistol smoke clears and and you know more people are getting vaccinated and the virus starts to die off. Yeah, well, so. good on you, mate, for being so selfless. After all that, you know, you would be certainly be within your rights, in my opinion, to go. You know what? This is shit. I I'm sick of it, but. Honestly, the growth I've seen you personally make, and yeah. professionally as well, um, it's 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 astounding, man. And that's why I wanted to share your story today because um, it's a story that I think is worth sharing because a lot of people seemingly would be able to relate to at least one part or many parts of stuff that you've been exposed to. So, you know, Ooh. thanks for being so so kind and caring. And and if if you want people to check out your music or to share your animation or people want to get in contact with you, where's the best place for them to go? Oh, just, just bonfire haze on, on YouTube. Yep. Um, and, and same with Instagram. Okay. Okay. I'll um, make sure to include uh, links below, but you know, if you have, if you want to get in contact with bond or you can contact me as well, if you want to help and put this together or whatever, but you know, bond does good things for good people. And, you know, if you find any of this relatable guys, feel free, hit us up. We'd happily help you. Um, mm, yeah. And also, if any of this has triggered anything or um, there are places you can call for free, like Beyond Blue or the Black Dog Institute and things like this. And Open you- Arms Counselling Service for the Veterans and Family Members of Veterans. There you go. As well, oh, so if you're a veteran yeah. too. How good. Yeah. Um, mate, is there anything you want to close out on? Or I think that wraps it up here. Um I think just uh, wish everyone a stay safe during the pandemic and, you know, keep fighting the good fight, keep keep following the rules and we'll get, we'll pull through. We'll get through it, you know? Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, guys, stay safe and, you know, do your thing and we'll get through it. So anyways, that's episode 53 of Life's Mitch. Thanks all for tuning in. And as always, find me on the socials, Life's Mitch podcast, Insta, Facebook, Life's com, or feel free to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Anyways. Or even tell a friend, you know, share an episode with a friend if you found any of these stories relatable. And if you have a story yourself, feel free to get in contact and I'll get you on the show. Anyways, I'll catch you on the next one. Bye for now.